Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parent in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Ethan, can you say Josh Widdicombe? Josh Widdicombe. And Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. Also, Mummy has a baby in her tummy... What's the baby going to be called? Rob Beckett. <laughs> there we go. That's Rob big news, Beckett. isn't it? The baby's going to be called Rob Beckett. Is that true? Hi, Rob and Josh. Loving the podcast. Thanks for getting us through last year. I've attached a clip of our son, Ethan, reading out your names as part of the intro. It's the usual Rob Beckett and Josh something unpronounceable. <laughs> I'm also sending it because our second child is due... In two days. And Ethan has decided to name him, stroke her, Rob Beckett. Sorry, Josh, you didn't make the cut. Keep up the good work. David, Laura, Ethan, and the bump, Rob oh. Beckett. Okay, so uh, they are calling it Rob Beckett, though. Like, Rob Beckett no, first name, then their surname. Rob Beckett, are they? They're not. That's just so he lied. Well, I'm not a fan of that, actually. Quite disappointed in Ethan's dad. <laughs> Um, but that's that's a bit of fun, isn't it? That's weird that a, a child knows that the, the my, our names now because it is forced, weird, isn't it? Yeah, been forced to say it by the parents. But it's you know they've, they've appeared on a you know I was going to say an award winning podcast. We're not we're, we've not we won yeah. any awards. No, um, yeah, we've been nominated. A, a, a podcast. A, we are a yeah. podcast, and there's not many of them. <laughs> um, how how are you, Josh? Still getting up at four thirty a.m.? No, sorted. He woke up at nine this morning. <laughs> Um, I'm going to suggest something. Is he still getting up, up at 4.30, but you don't really want to talk about it? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. We'll talk about other things. Um, <laughs> I'm going to sort, sort it, Rob. I know you're going to sort it, but at the moment, it's still 4.30am. Let me talk to you about things that are going wrong in my life to make you feel a bit better. Have you seen the film Falling Down? Yes, I have. Yeah, you know how he feels like he's going to sort out society? Yeah. I feel like that. 
I've, I mean, that, that's yeah. how my mental state is at the moment. It's, okay, so you're, like you're the Michael Douglas, like Michael falling, Douglas down. falling down. Yeah, that's your mental state. Okay, that's yeah. slightly worrying. I do feel like that. I should call someone about that. Yeah. That's okay. A, well, you can call, call me the police. Four fifteen, if you want. I'll be around for a chat. Yeah, I'll send the police for a welfare check at about what three fifteen yeah. a.m. They'll probably yeah, be yeah. out there just waiting for the kids to yeah. to get up for the day. Um, but no, um, this is what my daughter. My daughters get a little bit of iPad time or Kindle Fire time at the weekends yeah. um, before like, before bed and in, like in the daytime if they want it because they don't have it in the week. Anyway, um, I found out that my youngest and my eldest is scared of spiders. My youngest has been finding spiders somehow on her iPad and showing it to her sister to make her scared before bed. Oh my word! Sibling oh, wars God. kicking off early yeah. doors. Yeah, she's she's sharp but evil, isn't she? That three-year-old. Yeah, I think they both are to a point, but you know you need a bit of that in life. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it, Rob? Um, my, um, so this happens. I don't know if your daughter does this. My three, well, four-year-old nearly um, jumps out at me to scare me. Like yeah. hides and then when I go around the corner, like if we go to get in the car, she'll hide behind the car and then jump out. And obviously she isn't scary because she's four and sometimes I don't even see her jump out. She go, she tells me off for not being scared. Yeah. And I do sort of think that's more her problem for not being scary enough. Yeah. You can't really tell yes. someone off. And then sometimes I go, oh, like to pretend. And she goes, you're just pretending and tells me off. And, and I think the blame really lies at the feet of the four-year-old. She's not up to the, the job. Yeah. If she wants to scare you... She's got to go about it in a different way. Yeah, just like run into the road. That'd shit you well, up. Exactly. Like, yeah, well, like I'm not that. suggesting that. I mean, that's... Uh, 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 I don't I, suggest that to her. <laughs> Look, Uncle Josh has been on the phone. He's been up early. He's got some crazy ideas. Yeah. <laughs> this is if you want one. to scare me, play yeah. dead. <laughs> yeah. Pretend to choke on your food. Stuff like that. Yeah. That'll scare me. <laughs> Jumping like out from me. behind a car as a tiny little blonde-haired girl that's quite cute. <laughs> no. But do stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you the nursery school teacher pulled me up on me talking about Remembrance Sunday? What? So, you know, I said that she keeps talking about death because they got taught about Remembrance Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah. She yeah. went, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I went, pardon? She went, I keep forgetting people oh, listen oh, oh. to this. Oh, God, yeah, me too. And she went, uh, sorry about the Remembrance Sunday thing. I was like, oh, what? She went, oh, yeah, because your daughter, you mentioned on the podcast that your daughter keeps talking about it and she's a bit obsessed by it. I was like, oh, yeah, I was oh, so pathetic. You know, on here, I'm oh, like, right. oh, yeah, it's bang out of order. Why are they doing that? I was like, oh, yeah, it's okay, don't worry. It's just part of the curriculum, isn't it? And they've got none about it sometimes. Yeah, I'm really sorry oh, to mention it. I walked off, I thought, you maggot, Rob, you pathetic little lizard man, <laughs> shuffling off, all tail between his legs. But um, yeah, she said she showed him a video of it with like a rabbit and the rabbit was involved in it, which sounded more horrific, but I don't know what video that was. What the rabbit? The rabbit went over the top on nineteen, like it. A... I think so. I don't know. It oh had myxomatosis anyway. Nothing to live yeah, for. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh my god. No, there's. Oh yeah. It's of poppies on CBBS. Children's Remembrance Sunday's two minutes silence alternative. So it's a video of a. It's a CBBS show of basically yeah. rabbits jumping around in a field. And then, oh no, that's, oh, this is awful. Oh, no. There's a rabbit hiding under a helmet while there's bombs going off. Oh my God. It's horrific. That's worse. I'd, r I'd rather Rob, she watch Saving Private Ryan. Remember who's listening, Rob. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, actually, it's really informative. It's great that they learn. You maggot, Rob. You little maggot. Poppies is a children's remembrance animation. Sees a great war experienced by animal inhabitants of a World War I battlefield. I don't think you need to shell shock rabbit. No. She's only four. Just be silent for two minutes. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Rob, You'll find out at one point. Has your child ever been silent for two minutes? Oh, God, there's a bird that's really getting shot by... No, my child's never been silent for two minutes. I once, when I was doing boxing pads, there's a snail that's scared. They're all hiding under an helmet. There's, um, I remember I was doing boxing pads at a gym once, 
and I was doing it. And I was doing quite well. And as I was doing it, I was, the combos were really hitting. It was really loud. And there was no noise apart from me. No one was like doing weights. No one was running. I was like, pow, 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 pow. And everyone was like, sort of looking at me. And I was just like, am I fucking amazing at this? Have, have, I stopped, have I stunned the gym into silence with my skills in boxing? No, it wasn't. It was Remembrance Sunday. Oh, my two God. Two minutes silence. Oh, my God. And I'm absolutely crunching out of a combo. Oh, my God, Rob. <laughs> but my, my head went... God, I must be good at this. I've stopped everyone in their tracks. <laughs> then all the poppies come out and then the rabbit's all right, but there is a big bit of the big in the middle that's quite bleak. Do you want to say anything else to the nursery teacher? I think they're doing a brilliant job and thank you very much for casting her as Mary. They've obviously seen great potential in her acting ability. Right, now, today's <laughs> guest is Louis Theroux. Yes, it's Louis Theroux. I loved this. He Louis Theroux'd us at points, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did try and lose through us a little bit. But then I, but I think I laughed at an inappropriate point because he talked about having like, beef with other people in like the documentary, documentary making world. It really made me laugh because like, how can you have beef with a documentary maker? The most awkward, what are you going to do when you see each other? Just give each other a wry look, roll your eyes and walk <laughs> off. Like, I mean, it's not like, it's not like Tupac, is it? And Biggie. I love Louis Farouk. I think he's amazing. He's and um, I love chatting to him. He's great, isn't he? Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. His book is out. He mentions it. Don't worry. Of course he's got a book. Of course you know he's got a score. bloody you book. You know the score. You know the score now, people. Exactly. You are a big dog. You have to mention their book. Let's Life. be honest. If someone comes on here before Christmas, they haven't got a book. What's going on? Also, our books are still available. They're still available. <laughs> they're still available. I'm bloody hell. Eight hour round trip because my book's still available. Anyway. Yes. Buy our books. Then buy Louis <laughs> Theroux's book. Yeah, and in then, that order. In that order. Buy all three. God. I'm still and tired, Paris guys. And Paris and Michael McIntyre's, and Jimmy, Jimmy Carr's. <laughs> Who else? Who else is that? Is he certain? Is he certain? Lucy Beaumont, Ellie Taylor. But also, the Bible. Yeah. Do you think in the last two months we've sold more than the Bible, Rob? Are you suggesting that me and you combined are bigger than Jesus? This is Louis Theroux. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Hello, Louis Theroux. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Very good, very good. Excited to have you on. I'm nice. ecstatic, um, Louis, yeah. um, mainly because well, we're, we're massive fans, but also we need to you know, say thank you for not starting up your podcast again so that we can operate around the top three level <laughs> of the podcast charts because we all know when Louis Farouk comes out, you start to dominate it. So thanks for just letting a Pleasure. couple nice of to young, young bucks have been, a go. It's Peter Crouch. He was the other one that was yeah. always... Bobbing yeah. around at the top. It's quite an annoying thing, isn't it, when you see the same names yeah. popping up? Yeah. yeah. Currently, yeah. the podcast charts without you are like the Moscow Olympics when the USA didn't attend. <laughs> it's like these <laughs> old medals are not quite worth having. We all know. We all know deep down. And then we're basically on performance-enhancing drugs because we do two a week. So it's not really a fair chart, is it, when no. we do two a week, you know? Well, good. Well done on doing your podcast though. so successfully, though. I'll be happy to join the fray and give you a proper run for your money. Any time in the next maybe couple of months, I might settle oh, back no. up. You know, really? Can I ask a question about? I, we will get on to everything <laughs> else, but I, I'm a fan of the podcast, <laughs> and the episode where you interviewed Ruby Wax, I'd say, is possibly my favourite episode of a podcast I've ever listened to. I've not heard one. that one. Oh, it's incredible, and it's so honest and well. I think awkward to an extent at the start when she's yeah. being honest about how she felt about you. Oh, and that's how, right. Well, yeah. I went in, I'd heard that she was... Did you know this was going to happen? Of course, yeah, because I I mean, that was the sort of the premise of the conversation was mm. the idea that I'd heard that she had a, 
well, how do I put it? Like she was, she felt a profound rivalry bordering on ill will, actually way beyond that. She basically said on, yeah. a, on Adam Buxton's podcast, when she heard my name, it made her want to vomit because she felt that I'd done, <laughs> as she put it, stolen her career. Because she was in this sort of documentary, quirky documentary mm. uh, maker of offbeat subjects mm. and then um, doing it very, and also celebrities and doing it very successfully. And then around the same time I was, I, or a little later, I came along and did it on BBC Two similar sorts of subjects, and she felt um, that that was that I was basically copying her. And then, and then when she, I don't know quite what happened, but anyway, she came to the end of the road at the BBC mm. and felt that I maybe my success, such as it was, played a role in that. So, in, she in, in her defence, though, Louis, you did do the pilot in an American accent. Didn't you? That's <laughs> something that we don't really talk about anymore. Yeah. But that was a little bit, and then we you changed it, didn't you, for the series? And I, yeah, I, I did, and and actually, um, yeah. The, the thing is, look, there's room for everyone. Is the attitude I take? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but of we course. all the same. As we were joking about the podcast, at the same time, there's understandable little rival when you see whippersnappers. I'd cast you two as whippersnappers. That's the oh. bottom line is you're younger than I am. Give me a chance to be a big dog just for like <laughs> a little while. Do you know what I mean? And then when younger people come along yeah. and then you're like, oh, I felt a bit this way. Um, this is take, this is going way back now. When It's very, very different. You're going to think like, but he's nothing like you. And he, you'd be right. But when, when Sasha Baron Cohen came along with Ali G, like I'd had about two years of building a little following on BBC Two with my documentaries, being a yeah. bit quirky, a bit yeah. silly, asking cheeky questions. And then suddenly everyone's saying, have you seen that Ali G? He's amazing. It's amazing, Ali G. And it was obviously, it was the hugest phenomenon. It was way yeah. beyond anything I've ever achieved before or since. And it was it was quite annoying and I couldn't really justify it yeah. because um, it was he's, a, he's obviously a comic character, a prankster, and as I say, very different, but it's hard not to be irked by that level of success. Anyway, yeah. I think I was Ali G to, to <laughs> Ruby Wax. I was the younger person who she perceived as being more successful. So yeah. when we went on the podcast, I thought, let's get it out of the way. I'll ask that question near the top and we'll just deal with it. And it's not, it's always going to be awkward when you say to someone, I hear that when you hear my name, you want to throw up. <laughs> You know, tell me more about that. But, but we kind of rode it and actually got to a place of, of sort of, um, you know, but basically mutual understanding. And she seems yeah. a lovely person based on, you know, that chat that we had. Well, yeah, I think that everyone gets that a little bit in whatever profession, isn't it? If you're you, you're doing a certain job for a bit and then someone else comes along and it's sort of uh, it's more of an internal issue that's sort of exposed. And the person it's aimed towards is a bit irrelevant yeah. almost. Yeah, no, no, that's exactly right, because it's not it's it's. It's really about yourself. And she, she's got the wisdom to recognize that. She said, it's not about you, Louis. It was what you represented. I'm not doing the right accent. But um, she was talking about how it was something that she was sort of projecting onto me. Yes. Anyway, probably it was me as well, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it must be annoying though, if if because you're really nice, you well, almost want the person say. that comes through to be a prick. Then it can be sort of justified. Well, yeah, that's the you judo, know. isn't it? Be nice. Sometimes you've got what is it? You, you've got to be kind to be cruel. That's what the, it's by being the nice guy. You, you you can you can actually confuse people even more. But but I genuinely, when I heard that she had a beef with me, but way back, I I heard about it first in the nineties. What did I feel? I suppose I, it's kind of like when someone has an issue with you, it's a little bit almost, it's like a compliment, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. In the rap yeah. world, I don't know how, you know, they call it um, haters. 
not that yeah. Ruby was yeah. a hater, but in a way, it's like you know, you, the idea is like there's haters out there, man, and that hate, it's like haters going to hate, and then you you basically you feed off the hate, you know, yeah. you feed off the jealousy and the envy. I You're take like a lot of my life lessons from from gangster rap, yeah, just to put that out there. <laughs> I, I want more of that. I mean, I, I, my, my career dream was for Stuart Lee to write a routine about me. Then you'd nailed it as a comedian. Yeah. If you wrote a routine slagging you off, you knew you'd smashed it. And that, you, right. done it. Had oh, it. You did, you've been Stuart yeah, Lee. I've been Stuart Lee. So have there you? We go. Yeah. Have you really? I have been Stuart Lee, but I, I don't know what he said, but I've been told I've been Stuart Lee. Oh, really? And I know that I'm not strong enough to... <laughs> Oh, I love Shirley. I think he's great, and I want to be. Got very real. This has got very real, Josh. Yes. Do you literally? You actually mean that, don't you? Yeah. You you, what would happen? You, do you respect him too much, or you just anyone's um, bile would bother you in that way? Um, no, I. Do you know what? If I, oh my god, I'm getting Louis Theroux. This I can't believe it's happening. This is great. This is great. <laughs> I don't think I respect him too much. I can honestly say that. <laughs> That's off the list. It's like a doctor going through let's issues. Let's that one yeah. first. Yeah, let's get that across. Uh-huh. I, I think he's an amazing stand-up. Um, yeah. I think... Um, I just think... It's like I don't read reviews because I think yeah. if I read a review of a tour that I was doing, mm. even if I didn't agree with something about a bit... Every time I then did that bit of stand-up, that would come into my head. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I, I think if I don't know what I've got to gain by listening to myself being Stuart Lee. Yeah. How do you know that you were Stuart Lee? Because one of my friends has seen me be Stuart Lee live. <laughs> and he came back and joyfully said, oh, you'll never guess what. You're not going to yeah. believe what. Someone doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah. He texted me, Louis, the night before my wedding to say that he was watching Stuart Lee and Stuart Lee had done a routine about it. And I was like, I don't want that hanging over me. Do you want, do you want me to find out what it is, Josh, no, and I can read I it out to you on the podcast one episode? Just as a, almost like as a, a therapy sort of thing. Of just no, I don't. I think exposure. that's the opposite of how therapy works. No, not in my, not in my office. <laughs> in, my, in my surgery, this is how it's done. Um, anyway, the point uh, which is that anyone's opinion, it doesn't really, you know, you could say, um, oh, I don't care what people think, but anyone's opinion can bother you. I once, when I did my first series of Weird Weekends, I had, there was a character in it who was a neo-Nazi who lived in a compound in far northern Idaho. He was, he was a borderline, well, I mean, he was politically deranged. And it was also quite comical because he was so camp. And, and, and he, was, he was called Jerry Grudel, and he was a big fan of Are You Being Served? And I thought he was such an amusing yeah. guy, this sort of neo-Nazi who was a fan of Are You Being Served, that when the shows went out, I thought it'd be really funny if I, as a bit, I'll send him all the show, all the first four episodes of Weird Weekends, and I'll get his thoughts on them, and that'll be quite funny. And, and, I, and I'll write a little article about it or something, you know, because he's a fan of British comedy, yeah. you know? He liked Benny Hill as well. So I sent them and I called him up and he said, I thought you did a pretty good job of making fools of people. And I was like, oh, that stings a bit. He said, <clears throat> and then he went on to say, like, you gloried in it, ridiculing people, you gloried in it. <laughs> and I was like, and, I, and the call suddenly went like, I suddenly thought, what's this weird feeling? Like, I'm getting upset by, by the fact that a neo-Nazi didn't like my TV programs. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any kind of sense. And yet there I was feeling that. Artistic personalities are sensitive, right? Well, yeah. I, d- I don't think you ridiculed anyone. You're more like a GoPro at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah, that's a Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. that you're exposing what's going on, but they're the ones serving up the plate. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like that. That's a nice yeah. way of putting it. A GoPro buffet. Is that, do you like? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll put that on my resume. <laughs> oh, right, we should... <laughs> if you're looking for a GoPro at a, at a buffet, and who isn't? <laughs> this guy. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Let's talk to you about kids. Yeah. Uh, how, you've got three kids? Three boys, yeah. Three yeah. boys and wow. one of their ages. 15, 13, and one just turned seven. Oh, wow. okay. And I've, I've, the first question that comes to me when thinking about Louis through parenting is, you know, we've been here 10 minutes. I've opened up in a way I haven't opened up on this podcast before. Yeah. You've got that ability. Thank you for that. Do you <laughs> use your documentary and interviewing skills in dialogue with your own children? And are you able to get them to open up to you in a way that I wouldn't be able to do with my children? Uh, it would be nice if that were the case, wouldn't it? It would be nice if my professional powers, such as they are, were applicable in the domestic setting. If anything, I, I and I don't know why this is the case, but um, it's almost the reverse. And if I can segue kind of slightly brazenly into a plug from my book, Through the Keyhole, yeah. only because that's the, it's, it's very on point. That's the sort of the theme, really, is the idea that whatever... Um, so cool-headedness that I display when I'm on location doing stories, doing documentaries, somehow I completely lose when I'm talking, when I'm with my family. It's, it's really odd. Yeah. Like I'm reading about your Christmas day in the book. Yeah. You're, really, you're angry and yeah. you're... Hungover snappy. is the word. Hungover. hungover. <laughs> yeah, very hungover on Christmas day. If you, re- if you remember Christmas of 2020, oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the best of Christmases. <laughs> that was the one when Christmas was cancelled. Do you remember? Yeah, yes, remember. yes. The rug was pulled from under us. We had a turkey that was designed to feed 30 people. <laughs> and then two days before Christmas day, whenever it was, it was like, well, we're not having Christmas this year. Sorry, guys. He sat there with an enormous turkey. <laughs> and then the night before, you know, I got into, I know I'm going off topic, but, you know, so it was that feeling of like, well, I guess we've got really nothing much to do other than, um, speaking of myself, drink gallons of bourbon. And, and, and what was it? I was watching Die Hard 3 or 4. We were doing a sort of Die Hard marathon with the two older boys. Yeah. Anyway. But the point being that I, I think it's the feeling of... Um, I think it's like I, I, in a professional setting, I'm, 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 I'm sort of focused. I know what I'm there to do. And I have a sort of almost clinical detachment from what's mm. going on. But when, I, when, when you're with your family, it's almost the reverse. You've got so much skin in the game, right? You're, you're yeah. the one trying to – when I'm on location, I'm sort of trying to wind people up, if anything. You know, you're trying to make something happen, right? Yeah. If you could catalyze an argument on a porn set, you know, or between a husband and wife who are swingers, that's golden, yeah. right? 
But and, and on the home front, theoretically, you're trying to make things run smoothly. But when the kids are telling you to naff off or whatever it is, and you and actually um, you feel so much of your own vanity is invested in how they behave, and then if they insult you, the book is sort of unpacking a large part of it is unpacking all of this. But that we, the weirdness of feeling um, of feeling sort of all the rage and upset that you get as a dad who was incapable of asserting the slightest bit of control. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it totally. feels like the most story. irrelevant person in the room at any particular time. And you think, how did it, I'm, I've got three BAFTAs. Like, <laughs> surely I can get a phone out of, the, out of the hand of a 12-year-old. Do you know what I mean? Like, this three doesn't, this doesn't match up. <laughs> Sounds like the middle-class version of what you call kids. I've got free BAFTAs. I've got, I've got free Chavis indoors. Yeah. Yeah, but they I've just got, don't... They, have they watched your shows and stuff? Um, the older ones? The older ones, if they've watched them... Well, okay, interestingly, yeah. I've got some shows going out that are basically repackaged. There's shows that are sort of look, looking back at my old archive, you know, which yeah. a lot of that was yeah. going on when no one could make programs Ruby in Wax lockdown. Ruby Wax did some shows like that as well. Ruby actually. Wax did some. My ones were called Life on the Edge. Ruby yeah, waxes yeah. were good as well. I've just been sick. Here's some videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The first time I vomited about Louis Theroux. What did you, what, what, what's your view on Stacey Dooley? You call well, her? You got I'm, a bit I'm of pro everyone. Do, Stacey's terrific. Like Stacey Dooley, Dooley and, and that whole genre of first-person reportage, Stacey's tremendous. And actually, um, there's, there's quite, you know, Mobin Azar is also really good. Reggie Yates, who hasn't Alice made Levine? Before. Alice very, Levine's, very good. She's been yeah, doing I have the sponsors. privilege of, of executing Alice's Producing most that, recent yeah. project, yeah. But the, the the point was, oh, the kids watching it. So I sat down with, um, what, what, to watch my own program, which I'm, you know, that's, there's no shame in that, is there? So I'll, I'll watch it go out. I think there's a bit, but not a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, two, two, nine o'clock. See what I've had a couple of drinks. It's a slight, like, like a sliver, like a sliver of a cake. You know, it's that thing about how does this look when it sits, when the, when the, the continuity announcer goes, and now... Prepare for some strong language as we join Louis Theroux as he looks back. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, yeah. this is, you know, you've seen it in the edit suite, but how does it feel, how does it groove into the continuity of the program? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. The ident comes up, and you're like, oh, this is exciting. And then I looked up, and my 15-year-old was in the room, and I thought, that's the first time I've seen him actually sit down and watch. Well, begin to watch one of my programs, and then yeah. look. Two minutes later, I, I saw him. He was on his phone. Um, <laughs> oh no! How did that YouTube. feel? It felt completely fine. It felt completely fine because yeah. actually, it, I don't expect them to to see me as Louis through documentary maker. Quite evidently, I'm Louis through. I'm dad, right? I'm just dad. Yeah. And actually, um, I think they, if they ever want to watch them, you know, they'll, they'll watch them, and, and I'm happy to talk to them about that. But. In the end, them respecting my professional role is the last thing I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Literally. exactly. You know, just to be, yeah, be able to, I don't know, like find out what they actually do at school. You know what I mean? Mm. Or or, or um, to, to be able to, I don't know, like get them to engage in 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 some domestic chores, like or eat some vegetable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not to sound really prosaic. Like the idea, like have you watched my program about Jimmy Savile? <laughs> Did you think? <laughs> do you think I could have done more to unmask? <laughs> I mean, that's quite. That's not really. <laughs> yeah, you, that's not what. That's not. No, no father should be. I, I bet the teenager, the fifteen-year-old, will watch the porn one. No. That's what they probably want to watch. Would yeah, you not let them watch probably, that one? Yeah, they probably, they probably, 
Yeah, and 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 they pro and actually maybe they do watch um, some of them without me even being aware of it, and, and prefer not. I think the whole idea of me having a, prof a, a profile as well is they're they're pro they're somewhat ambivalent about. For mm -hmm. one thing, because as I'm out and about, um, we quite often get approached by uh, people for selfies, which mm. they find boring, you know, and even sometimes yeah. people go. Um, oh, Okay, your dad got to say, can I, thanks for the selfie look, got to say, your dad, he's a great man. You, you, your dad, he's a really great man. Uh, no, I'm not saying this happens on a weekly basis, but, you know, <laughs> once every six months or so, you know, someone will say something quite cringe like that. Yeah. Say it's cringe because they don't, they don't want to hear that. What are they going to go? Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess he is a great man. Do you know what I mean? And they think like, so what, why is he such an irrational guy or irrelevant? You know what I mean? Like, why is he yeah. so drunk at Christmas crying exactly. at Guyard? Exactly. Why is he forcing us to eat so much Turkey? So, <laughs> so that in the end, um, the, yeah, the idea of me having a profile is something they're not. And I think when I go to school, we were doing sixth form um, open days over the last week. And it's always like um, my oldest, who's 15, he's, he's like, he says, can mum come, uh, you know, instead of you? And I'm, I'm thinking, that's a bit rude. Thinking, why? Yeah. Because he knows that I'm, I'm so irrelevant, that I've got no decision making. You know what I mean? Like I, oh, really? My input. So I said, what, what, why, why would you rather mum came? And he, and, and he said, oh, just because, you know, people see you on TV. And I realized it was just that he just didn't want to the be faff around it. Yeah. He didn't want any of that murmuring. Yeah. Cause at school, yeah. you just want to be left. You just want to get through it. Don't you, you don't want yeah. any extra unnecessary attention about whether it's the yeah. coat you've got or yeah. what you do in that yeah. lesson and stuff like that. So it's just an immediate, Oh, like the lights on you straight away. If you walk into the, yeah, the and school. sure enough, when we went, I went with him to, to one of them and, and actually I thought I, I, most of the time I thought this is fine. I don't think there's any ripples of, people sort of noticing. But then at the end, I saw a little clump of sixth formers. And, and, and you know how you get a free song when you feel like you've been clocked? Yeah. And, and they were looking up and, they, and the, the, it's almost like they start going quiet, but buzzy. Like, <laughs> oh, and they got the phone. Like, it is. It is. No, it isn't. It is. I'm telling you. Look, look, there it is. Yeah. Documentaries. BBC Two. I'm telling you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, here we go. And it was, uh, but no, it didn't. It was like, oh, they came over and asked for, yeah. Selfies, which would be fine anyway, but it was just that thing of I can see why if you were fifteen and just trying to oh, just trying to get through the day, that would just be I, something I, you didn't. I do. went to uni and a Jack Straw's daughter was uh, was in my <laughs> halls, and she was defined by being Jack Straw's daughter. Yeah, which you know, obviously at the time was a bigger deal than it is now. Well, you you've weirdly you wouldn't not, think I'm... that would be a huge cross to bear, would you? No. Well, you've Jack got to remember Straw's this was daughter. this was it's not like being Michael Jackson's the... kid, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's like what is there to or being called blankets hard enough? Well, Never mind, just <laughs> being Michael Jackson. Well, Poor tell son. that to the people of Iraq, Louis, who were being invaded at the time. So. Oh. Oh, no, oh, your dad's invading right. Iraq. That's the last thing you need for double science. Right. <laughs> right. Political. Well, that's the thing, because you, you. you've got quite a, a on page, you've got a lot of uh, young fans, Louis, haven't you, really? You're sort of a bit of, in like a, in, on paper, because your, your documentaries came out ages ago, you spread a, quite a, Not a, all a of lot them, of right. ages. Some of them did. Some I have actually had some more recent ones. No, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> but on paper, you wouldn't expect <laughs> an 18-year-old to be a big fan of a documentary about sort of crystal meth or whatever your, your right, new exactly. money. Or but indeed people, a programme that was made in the 90s yeah. about, you know, UFOs or the porn industry. Yeah. Like, because a lot of them, as you say, are old and, you know, 25 years I've been making programs or more. And um, so they have enjoyed some of them, an unlikely afterlife. And um, 
I, I wish I could shed more light on why that would be the case. And I'm very grateful for that, for the, for the fact that I've got some relevance. Well, cause you like pop up on like TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, like your like, memes and stuff of Louis Farouk reacting and no context Louis Farouk and things like that. Yeah. So you've sort of really been adopted by that sort of Gen Z that never saw those documentaries firsthand, but now they've sort of discovered you uh, and through that and then now watching all your documentaries. And yeah, stuff, Netflix which... is p- behind part of it, I think. Really? I think yeah. there was a time when they came on, when Netflix first appeared, what was that, 2013 or thereabouts, and then um, it led to, a, and that I was sort of being more, people were getting more onto Twitter. And I remember when I first noticed on Twitter that there was this sort of unlikely buzz around old programs and people kept saying, oh, oh, Louis Theroux, my money don't jiggle jiggle, like references to a rap episode yeah. that I'd made sort of 20 years before. So I think that permanent present of, tw- of, of Netflix where anything that's on there is slightly timeless, you know, yeah. A lot of people, you know, Seinfeld uh, programs like, you know, again, old programs, but my kids love uh, Friends, right? Yeah. And for them, that's that's not defined by being from the 90s, right? That's just a great show that that sits up there on Netflix and that they endlessly binge. And would you You still watch Friends with them? You know what? 18 months of the pandemic, I didn't find I had an enormous amount of time to sit and watch old episodes of friends. You know, I, I, I know a lot that people had different lockdown experiences, different pandemic experiences. And some people, especially people without kids, I think got quite bored and, and felt, mm. Oh, now I can actually <clears throat> arrange my tools in the tool shed or you yeah. know, do these sort of jobs that I've never got around to do. I found that I was, I never had time. We had, ki- you know, if you had kids at home and I don't know how old your kids are, but certainly the, the fact of us having a five-year-old who turned six, um, in fact, and then yeah, he turned seven this year. Um, it, it was that idea of like we got. To, it was triage. There was no, yeah. there was nothing. There was never a moment where I thought, oh, you know, I don't know what to do now because I've I've got so much free time. No, <laughs> yeah. was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, was well, we had a four we had a four year old and a two year old. So I was like. Now, me and Lou go, oh, we need to sort that cupboard out in the kitchen. I was like, Lou, oh, we never man. did that in the pandemic. Well, where the yeah. fuck are we going to find time to do it now? Yeah. First yeah. day of the pandemic, I said to Rose, I'm going to do one cupboard a day <laughs> through the pandemic. And yeah. then we'll have sorted the house out. Yeah. I did one cupboard on day one and that was it. Yeah. And that cupboard is now a fucking write-off. Is it? Yeah, the, I did my wires behind the, you know, the wires behind the TV? Oh, you know, yeah. I was like, I'm tie them up and put little rubber bands <laughs> yeah. around them. And then I'm going to get all the adapters and put them in an elegant little box. And, and I thought, well, this is going to be great. We're going to get, and, and then that was all done by the end of that day, basically. <laughs> I think, what, what was it? I think that, I think it was the degree of, um, I think it was the amount of time that was eaten up with the homeschooling. And then, and then we started a company Called, uh, my wife and I, so we were both full-time, you know, there was no case of being furloughed. We mm. were, we were attempting to get commissions for the company that we started. So there was an enormous amount of stress around that. So yeah, the question was about friends. No, I don't. What I did, I loved it. Like in my dream scenario, I kick back with the kids and we play Fortnite together. Right. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm capable of enjoying, uh, you know, video games. I grew up with Defender and Scramble. Those are probably yeah before your time. Yeah, no, but, um, that. you know, the idea of, I don't seem to have, I, I increasingly, I think like, Oh, well, maybe when I'm retired, I'll be able to play video games because <laughs> I don't have time now. Yeah. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Do you consider yourself, I know you're, you're big into hip-hop as well, yeah. do you consider yourself kind of down with <clears throat> what they're into and stuff like that, or would, you, would that be your worst nightmare to try and relate I'd, to them on well, that level? I I think I don't I don't actively attempt to sort of you know be hip or like speak their language or but I'm curious about what they like and and actually our 13 year old he he's um he's he's very strict uh, about well how, I want to put this in the right way basically he insists that we listen to Capital Extra whenever we drive anywhere which <laughs> is a yeah. sort of dedicated to almost exclusively to to grime and drill music right of a fairly high octane sort <laughs> and and so it's a lot of digger d and aj tracy and and, yeah. and dig dat and h and and, and i could steps. go on uh, no, not the, one the new steps, one not the one i was steps. just h and rd and all that and rd, RD yeah, yeah. All of them but, you, but you must like this right louis do you not of course like- i do and so but there's a, occasionally i feel like look i wouldn't mind hearing a bit of radio four there is a pandemic <laughs> might be nice to know whether covid surging you know what i mean new variant <laughs> lockdown you know you think the war is you know the world's kind of teetering on the edge of apocalypse but fine let's listen to the new rd and and digger d why not <laughs> But it is, no, but you do, you know, and I enjoy the music. So by osmosis, um, I've become, yeah, a connoisseur of, a, you know, the modest sort of that, of, of whatever's um, in, the, in the kind of the grime and R&B charts. And then with, but with regarding to, with regard to um, the gaming, I just see what they're, I see what they're into, but I don't get to play it. Oh, really? Can, yeah. can you play it though? If like you had the time? Probably you not. Completely, no. Probably not. One of the chastening things... There's a game that my um, that the little one was playing. It's called Duck Game, I think. And there's these ducks that run around. You're picking up guns and shooting each other. I think <laughs> it's a PlayStation game, and I tried to play it. And it was there's something quite you know how with kids in general, especially small kids, it's like obviously I've got to let him win some of the time. How? But can I win a bit? You know that's the educational, right? Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. let them yeah. win all the time. No. They'll never no, learn. They won't be socialized. And also, I quite want to win is the other part of it. But with the duck game, it was this weird thing of like, oh, I've got to that point of middle age where I'm actually worse than a five-year-old at the game. I'm trying to win and losing. I'm, yeah. I'm, as I've always played computer games and stuff, but I am drowning a little bit trying to keep up with the, the way they play. And also, like, when I, they never used to do this multiplayer. Multiplayer, when I was a kid, was you had an attachment that you plugged into your machine and everyone used to come to your house. Yeah, yeah. But now it's all <laughs> online and everywhere. I find it so hard to keep up. And you see, like, you see like a 10-year-old will just destroy destroy you on those games. And it's almost it's almost impossible to, to fully play with them. I don't want them. to play Strangers Across the World. Yeah, it is I fun. Want to- is it? Yeah. But you're not playing strangers, you're playing your friends just in their house. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
you know, you but don't you, have, you're not like a, like a, a, Josh is coming off more middle-aged than I am. I am. I, I, Louis, it's an absolute nightmare. Play strangers across, across the, the world. world. <laughs> Can they like, see what? me through the screen? <laughs> Where are they? Turn that camera off. Put a blanket <laughs> over the webcam. <laughs> and and the television's me. talking to me. It's talking to me. <laughs> Surely, I'm sure Alex Brooker from the last leg, he got suspended by FIFA for having a go at a child with his. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's like Roblox. There is this strangers. I don't know if you, Roblox is the one where that's um, big, isn't it? You suspect that there's a no disrespect to the platform, but you suspect there's populations of paedophiles all playing yeah. it, and 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 so they and 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 you think that oh, but maybe it's, I'm sure it's fine, but you just the anonymous hordes, yeah, with with usernames, but you know this is the world we now, live in. You're now. You're now on the lookout for paedophiles at all times, Louis, after the Jimmy Savile pulled them all over your eyes. Aren't we all, though? Aren't we all? <laughs> Isn't that the nature of... I mean, we're in the, in the sense of, like, a world in which um, we're connected virtually to people, as you say, strangers across the world. Stranger danger. <laughs> no, they, they, they invade our homes almost yeah. literally like, yeah. via our yeah. devices. You know, TikTok. You know, I, you know, when your kid comes to you and says, I've made a new friend on Roblox... Don't pretend that, the, like, some part of your mind is thinking, like, hang on, red, red alert. Nonce alert, There's a pedal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's the thing. It's, a, it's that loss of control where my mum still now always goes, like, even though she's, like, I'm 35 and she'll be, like, she still wants me to have the same friends that I had when I was 15 because she yeah. knows their mums. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, it's just that. It's like, well, can't I go out with them because I sort of know them and I know their yeah. mum and I know they're nice and all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. That loss of control, I think, is the issue, isn't it, for parents when they're on the internet? Well, exactly. I mean, and one of the, um, you know, this year that we've lived through, I mean, it's, it accelerated a lot of the aspect, the virtual aspects of the human experience, like the family life, because yeah. we couldn't mix socially. So yeah. grown-ups were on Zoom calls, either for work or doing Zoom quizzes or Zoom cocktail parties, and the kids were gaming. For a while, I thought, like, God, they're on their they're on their devices a lot. And then I realised they- that's the only inter- interaction they have. Like, if, yeah. if you're going to chat in your lesson as you would normally at school, the homeschooling version is you've got your phone next to you and you're going like this is boring or I can't do this. Can you help me on the math stuff or gaming? And they, you know, they've got the headsets on. It felt, I don't know about you, but my experience of 2020 and 2021 wasn't just that we were going through a pandemic. It was almost like the future got accelerated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it was the weirdness of virality, not in the literal sense of you know germs or whatever they are, viruses, but in the, in the sort of virtual sense of, wow, we're all kind of, you know, we've got this new app that took off called TikTok, which has the most aggressive data harvesting algorithm of any of the social media platforms. And mm. they're profiling us. And, you know, and I don't mean to sound like a techno kind of paranoid kind of mentalist, but I, you know, it's, it's quite evidently our lives are being changed and we're experiencing the world in a different way. And, and there are concerns that go along with that. And we don't quite know what any of it means. And parts of it are positive because we can still communicate. And other parts of it feel less positive because we're aware that um, slightly sinister data corporations are getting an enormous amount of info on us. Do you have rules with your kids on what they can do and can't do? Like, It would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, the rules are pretty relaxed in our house. I mean, the... the, And and, and actually, we've tried to pull it back a bit, but it it was a bit like... 
Well, we're in the middle of a kind of world-altering pandemic. Yeah. So the fact that they're on their phones a lot or that, you know, the, the little guy, the five-year-old's up and goes straight to his iPad. Like in the normal world, I'd be like, <laughs> no iPad until after breakfast. Like, like slightly limp rules like that. <laughs> yeah. you, know, like, you know, like if you want to watch YouTube, you've got to at least put some socks on. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> You can't have that until they've had jam on toast. Yeah, meaning, kind of meaning. Like, why yeah. do you have to wear socks to watch YouTube? This doesn't make any sense. You know, some big leaf that some authority has maintained. Yeah. Um, but, but actually, the rules, so the rules are pretty much just designed to maintain some illusion of control. But at the end of the day, we don't have many rules. Not really. Yeah. Like, we have screens during the week. You know, some families like, we don't have screens. During, there, and, and even screens... I mean, I'm sort of, come on, why don't you watch a bit of TV? Like, put yeah. the iPhone down and watch a bit. You know, like in our, in my day, yeah. Yeah. it was like, put the TV, you know, switch the TV off and um, and read a book. Now, watching the TV feels like the educational option. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. a DVD. Why don't you watch a DVD? Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, there's a point in the evening where they're supposed to stop gaming. And um, I know, I'm, I'm telling What time's that? It's about 11 o'clock. <laughs> the, the little one goes up about 8 o'clock. Yeah, I know, yeah. I've got... It's, 11 and, and, o'clock? Yeah, 11 p.m. <laughs> 11 that doesn't p.m. sound good, does it? That, it'll be the pedo going, come on, kids, I've got work in the morning, give me a chance, I'm knackered in here. <laughs> but the, the point being, um, as long as they've done their homework and as long as they are, you know, basically doing... Yeah. So, we have dinner together, we, we, you know, we sit down and have a meal together... Uh, you know, they clear their plates. Those are a few of the benchmarks. Do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of, of, of some but, level of civility that yeah. we try and maintain. I do I do find, though, with the gaming there, because I experienced when I, I played Warzone, which is basically you log onto this game and it's sort of like an army game, but you, you, you text your friends and go, oh, go on at eight. And then yeah. you're playing the game, but really I'm just enjoying the chat with my friends. So I think gaming yeah. used to be like, oh, it's not very sociable, but actually it's more sociable than them just sitting on the sofa on their that's phone. That's the point. Yeah, they're sat the there chatting, but because they're in front of a screen on a computer, it's the same as when I used to go down to the local park and sit in a circle of mates chatting, chatting shit and then someone will get a bottle of cider or whatever it was that they did run yeah. in that park. But it, you are essentially socialising. But because I think the older generation, like, you know, you're not, they're playing a game, but you're not. You are chatting with friends. It's just, it's just like I say, it's like in the middle of this mad you revolution. It's better for them than when I used to sit alone and play Championship Manager for 12 hours on my own in my bedroom. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But what <laughs> yeah. a 12 hours that would be. <laughs> yeah. Right. What no, I but I, thank you for that, Rob. I think that's that, that's the whole point, isn't it? Is yeah. that we? It's a different paradigm. It's not just watching Open University for three hours, as I did of a morning. You know, when yeah. I had woken up and my parents were still asleep and I had nothing to do. It's not mind numbing and solipsistic. Yeah. It's actually, as you say, is social and they, they're interactive and they're, they're like they make appointments with their friends. And oftentimes, yeah. I realize when I say like, right, time to get off, and they're really upset. It's because they've made an appointment with someone. Yeah who's expecting yeah. them to turn up. And, and so I'm like, why is he, there's so much rage, like, come on. And you try and lay, lay the law down. And, and actually what you don't appreciate is there's much more going on to do with, uh, the, you know, the peer group and, and what they're up to. My, 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 my uh, sort of nuclear option, which I have only done once, I think, <laughs> because some of their gaming they do, and also I'm they only go on at one at a time. But, so we've got one machine, like they, they're like, well, we want to get two PlayStations. I said, no, that, there's a hard no on that because that's one of the few ways we can. So they take, they figure yeah. out how to take turns and then 
and, and as a result, they, they have to. There has to be some element of restraint because they can't both be on it at the same time. But when I'll give a, you two more years max before maybe. you get another one. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll see. The, uh, we'll be in this. We'll all be in the metaverse. We'll have about two more years. Can you imagine? We'll be just playing with chips in our brains. Oh we? Like, God! Forget God. it. We'll have like, oh, Dad, I want to download the PlayStation chip into my my neuro circuits. Right? <laughs> I want to get a new neuro circuit. Anyway. <laughs> That's what Elon Musk is saying is going to happen. Anyway, the point is that down, one of them was being a little bit cheeky and he went off in a strop and I said, no, you're not going back on. The gaming that they do, there's a, there's a studio at the bottom of the garden that we got built that was supposed to be for me and my wife to work in and then became the gaming, gaming zone. Anyway, what I discovered was... One day with a delight, I looked at the fuse box and it, and it said garden studio on one of the switches. And I realized that I had control over all the oh. electrics. And I said, you're coming back, young man. You're not doing it. And he said, you said, stop me or something like that. And I went back and I said to Nancy, my wife, I said, oh, you know, there's a switch I can turn off. <laughs> and she said, don't do it. So give him a chance. I said, give him a warning. So I went down and said, you're going to come off there. I'm telling you. And he's like, you know, whatever. He, he refused. And so on one occasion, I flipped the switch. And it was nothing. I can't, I can't imagine anything more satisfying to seeing him down there on his little joystick through the French windows. And then suddenly it went dark. And I just saw a little silhouette of someone trying to like figure out like, like the incomprehension. And then the screen, his screen had gone. <laughs> With the level of, I felt like Sauron. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> sort of being able to just, oh, I can just eliminate people just with a flick of a switch. Anyway, and after that, they knew they they knew that I had the power, so, so I haven't had to do it. What again. was his reaction to that? Was he was he angry? Or was he quite actually respecting the hustle of you finding he, the fuse switch? Because that you've got a lot, when you're annoyed, but you've got like, good, to be fair. Yeah, Dave. yeah, it was rage and, and respect. There was some part of it was like fine. It was like a little bit okay. I get that. Checkmate. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that was a bit like mums in the nineties could turn the internet off by picking up the landline. <laughs> I think that's very true, isn't it? Just I forgot about that. They were more yeah. powerful than Bezos in about 96, weren't they, mums? That's, mums. that's a good throwback. That was like the feeling when you went to make a phone call and then you realise you heard... And you realise, oh, I've just interrupted my dad's internet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You put it quickly down. You thought, maybe no one will notice. In, in our house as well, I swear, if you picked up the phone but then you was upstairs, you could listen to the conversation. Yeah, you could. You could yeah. just say you could... And then your mum would shout you when your friend called and you'd get it on the upstairs phone and then you'd wait and you'd go, can you put down the downstairs phone? But, like, you didn't want to listen yeah. in on your phone conversations. You were saying that, it, that Stuart, okay. that was the badge of honour and that was new, you knew you'd made it when you were a Stuart Lee. But yeah. then I was thinking about did, Joe Pasquale, he did quite a long routine. Do you remember about Joe yeah, Pasquale? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it was enormously helpful to Joe Pasquale. No, but no, but I think it, 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 it was a it was a sign that he'd become a household name and was successful in his field. You know. Oh, do you know what I'm worried I'm going to find out about it is that it's just an aside. He just made a joke as an aside one night, and so I haven't even qualified. I've got the it's, kind it's of bigger slap. in your head, Josh. But he's uh, actually I haven't made it into a routine. In your head, what's he having a pop at you for? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Because that's saying, what are your biggest um, <laughs> dislikes about your own persona and professional <laughs> image? Yeah? yeah. Well, yeah. it might yeah. not be foibles? dislikes, because it might be, you know, what's your perception of 
of the part of your brand, of brand Widdicombe that he would have an issue with? Because it might be something you're fine with, that you're, for the sake of argument, you know, family friendly or, I don't know, insufficiently left Or it might be observations, because that's an easy Stuart Lee thing, because he's done that before about I people think, observing I think, stuff. I think it, it would be uh, mainstream and mundane. Or that yeah. you're not disabled and you're on the last leg. That's a good one. <laughs> if you were to write... <laughs> to be disabled. Well, people think Josh you know is disabled. It'd be like, you know the guy, the one that hangs around with the two disabled guys. You know that guy. <laughs> that guy. He's got that, he's got that annoying voice that goes like this, that guy. Everyone's got the thing that they think other people know about them, that they're worried. You know, like if it was Jimmy Carr, it might be taxes, right? Yes. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah. It might be a Jimmy Savile reference. Do you have anything like that where, oh, you no, were caught... I don't caught- think so. I don't think, not to my knowledge. No, you're you're clean, 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 clean. cut, aren't you, Josh? That's worse in a way because whatever it is hasn't come out yet. I keep stroking his chin all panicked. Look at this, he's great for the room work. He looks so worried right he now. Always looks panicked, doesn't he? Jiggling in his chair. Believe. I'm not jiggling in my chair. <laughs> yeah, I like rubbing his hands together, leaning back. Look at this. You'd have a field day on so Big Brother's tells. Little Brother. All these tells. They'll get the body language expert on. You see Josh there, he strokes his chin, lean back. I my hands now. I want to touch my face where I'm not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? Look, he don't know what the <laughs> Do you do you worry about the way people perceive you? Like... Of course. I mean, the other one I did an interview for the, for the podcast about um, John Ronson. And by the yeah, way, both of, of these are John referenced Ronson, in my yeah. book. I talk about it's not yes. just family yes. life. I talk about starting my podcast grounded um, in my book through the keyhole uh, because it was one of the ways I stayed busy during lockdown. I I, re, I sort of reinvented myself as a you, podcaster. You constantly, you and John Ronson have had this kind of relationship. <clears throat> well, John, beef. You got beef John, with Ronson. Well, uh, it was a, like it was a very Biggie and Tupac kind of. Situation. Oh, I love it. I love a posh posh boy beef. What how, was yeah. it? A wry smile, roll of the eyes. What, what I tried to. I tried to. I wanted to get him. I, I tried to. <laughs> I've heard it. I've heard it's Suge Knight that set you against each other. Actually, it wasn't. It wasn't actually either of your fault. It was Suge Knight who was the real problem, right? He was I stirring us up. I wonder who the Suge Knight is in this scenario. So, so what happened? Because I, I don't, don't know anything about any anything about this. What what's so, the beef? If you know, he's a terrific writer who, who wrote the Psychopath Test, and then going back to the even the early nineties before I was ever on TV, he had a series called The Ronson Mission. Yeah. And he was a columnist for Time Out, and he was a, he's a brilliant comic journalist who would write about quirky subjects like sort of sex workers or, or, or you know, swingers, um, yeah. religious cults. So the sorts of terrain that I later was um, known for covering. And but he, so his series, The Ron's Mission, wasn't, it was a great series, but it wasn't especially widely viewed. And when I popped up, I think he felt, well, he did feel because he said, he said that, well, the quote he gave, he said, I felt a bit like the Pixies. Uh, must have felt after Nirvana came along, which I think is an interesting musical reference because it's actually not insulting no. to me. There's a bit in his book, Them. I don't know if you've read his book. I've read that. Them. I've read all John's books. Yeah, and so he's out, he's being followed in a car outside the Bilderberg group and he calls the police to say I'm being followed. And they say, what do you do? And he says, I'm a journalist. I write these stories. And this is a point he's being followed and the police say, and he says, I write stories about like the kind of things he does. And the police say, oh, like Louis Theroux. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. This is great. Yeah. And he's like, well, no, I was originally the one yeah. that did it. Uh, he, he and then to... Ruby Wax comes out the passenger seat. Well, actually, yeah. I think you'll find I've done interviews as well. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's like no one's ever... To- it's, it's like this rivalry. It's like no one's ever asked anyone any, anything about themselves before on telly. Yeah. <laughs> Parkinson pops up. Well, I actually so, used to do it sat down. So- 
Did you did you ever end up? Because you're good friends now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We, we, and we were always well. So before actually, I had met him at, at that point, uh, and and I, I, it was more or less through the grapevine, through mutual friends that I heard. Oh, John's, you know, he's got, you know, he's having a bit of angst over the, the, the fact that you've kind of been doing a more successful version of what he was doing. And, and, it's his quality, God. And, I, and I was such a big fan of John. Yeah, I suppose yeah. I thought, um, I, what did I think? I thought, well, that's a big compliment. Like the idea that, yeah, yeah. you know, he was one of the, when I was coming up, when I saw the Ronson mission, he was one of those people who thought, oh, I really love that. I wonder if I should write him a letter and let him know. I never did. You know, like very, you know, yeah, yeah. it doesn't often have you think, I like that so much. I'm so intrigued by that. I find that so different. I'm, I'm, I might drop that personal line. Nah, maybe not. But anyway, I thought <laughs> about it. And so when I, when I heard that, he, he, he really enjoyed the series to the point of having a kind of existential crisis over it. I thought, well, that's, you know, that's about the highest compliment, you know, I've caused him a mini breakdown. <laughs> That's what you want. There's no higher compliment than that, really. Yeah. And then later we met and we talked about it. And then he did more, his writing, you know, he, he's, he's been into an ever upward gradient of success with his writing. He moved to America. And so when, when I interviewed him for the podcast, and actually, I, you know, his books are so terrific. And then when I um, would read them, I'd get a pang of, 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 of sort of professional envy of feeling like, wow, he, he's such a terrific writer. And then he sells books by the shed load. Yeah. And then he's in America and America's buying all his books. And suddenly it felt a bit like role reversal. Like I was like, yeah. oh, Ronson, like he's really successful in America, you know, where, <laughs> where I, I, I've got, you know, I, I guess a pleasingly uh, uh, kind of selective um, appreciation among my fan base. Like I, I don't, no one in America really knows who I am. <laughs> And so when we talked, I said to John, he said, like, you know, I'm very relaxed now about you. You know, it was really painful. I'm trying not to do an offensive John Ronson. Yeah, yeah. I think you're doing a pretty, pretty bad job of that, because I think... <laughs> he said, back in the day, like, I used to find it painful that, you yeah. know, you, and, and, but now I'm really relaxed. And I was basically saying, like, yeah, yeah, I find it a bit more painful now, John, to be honest. <laughs> I love, it's nice to be honest about it yeah. with each other, yeah. though, because that's when if you don't talk about it, I think that's a bit of a hangover from like, you know, 25 years ago when you started doing all these shows, you really, you got on the radio or on BBC and one person sort of did it. So it was Ruby Waxbit, then you, and then Ronson didn't yeah. get the call. And then it was like, well, what's my career? It's all over like now. I can't, that, that's been taken. But and, and I think Mock the Week was like that with comedians. But now there's so many avenues. You can do podcasts, you can do YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and ways to get an audience and be found and stuff that I think now there's a lot less of that rivalry amongst our generation coming through, I think, on telly. Josh, do you, do you think that's, yeah, I think, that's true? Do you know what always happens? And I'm sure is you'll be in an interview and someone will go, God, but, you know, but it's really horrible. You and your peers, you know, you must all hate each other and you're jumping all over each other on not like on each other's lines on what the week and stuff. And I think like all of our generation, there's something weirdly, we're all, much more matey than I think people would ever yeah. like to think in a way. Do you know what I mean? There's very little kind of beef. But all these things can also coexist is the other thing. Mm, yeah. You can you can love someone and also, you know, there's so, you know I, if I have one sort of thing that's a, almost I feel is a misapprehension about the nature of human psychology, it's the idea that our motivations and our feelings are also unitary. Like, oh, you feel <clears throat> either profound love or you feel yeah, profound yeah. hate and there's nothing intermixed yeah. or alloyed about oh, it. Totally. And, and actually to this day, like there's people who I care very much about who at the same time 
um, if I saw them get an incredibly good review that said, actually, you know, this person's a genius and there's no one alive today is going to achieve it. There's some little part of me that would feel a pang, you know. Totally. I, I love James Acaster. He's one of my oldest friends. But if I see another suggested Instagram of a fucking James Acaster meme, I would be delighted because yeah. it, it's the bane of my life. Yeah. The irony is he hates it as well. <laughs> he quit Instagram. He doesn't even have to see him. So we don't need to put these up. He's not even here anymore. What about you and Rob? Oh. Josh and Rob, you work together, right? Sometimes yeah. it's the ones that you are actually married to professionally that you feel like this odd go. little, well, why did you get the call and I didn't? Have you well, ever yeah. thought about well, that? I, well, no. So, well, we've, um, we, I don't think so, really. Me and Josh haven't experienced that. But for with, um, with Ramesh and stuff, well, he was at the BAFTAs and we were nominated for a show together and he was nominated for Ranga Nation in the same category. And then he was also nominated for Best Entertainment Performance, like the sort of one with, it was like with Bradley Walsh and a few Adam Hills and a few other people, Claudia Winkerman and stuff like that. And, uh, and I was sat next to him and I was like, and he'd... Yeah, and I was he'd won, he'd won it for best performance, and I was like, oh, I wonder how I'm going to feel because you never know how you feel. Yeah. But I was so relieved that I was just like so excited for him and yeah. so happy. And then he came and sat back down again, and then the next one, no, I was, and the next one come up, and it was for that one for us and the one him. And I went, oh, and in my brain went, hang on, at one point here, he could win best performance without me, and then win without me again in an award up against it. I went, this is, this should be nightmare fuel. But I'm actually, I was like, this, this on paper is like a, an anxiety dream. Yeah. But I sat there and then I think big nasty one anyway, but I genuinely was like, I, that was one of my, my favorite nights in my career that I could be at an award thing like that and be so happy for a mate and not really be bothered. Where That's other people nice there, yeah. Were, yeah, and that honestly was almost better feeling actually than winning it because it was like, you have those still sort of how you feel if that happens, but I was just generally so buzzing for him. And you can see the reaction of it. It was a genuine like, oh yeah, fucking well done, mate. Cause you know, it's nice for those awards and things like that, but ultimately it don't really matter. No, and, and, I, and I did not, you know. And you were like, oh, maybe I'm a nice person, you know? Yeah, like, well, exactly. You that Do you know yeah. what? When I was, cause I, I don't like going to those things. I find them really oppressive. And um, it's why I used to hate Edinburgh because it makes you in competition with people that you don't want to be in competition with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We weren't nominated this year for Last Leg for the first time in five years. Yeah. Never won. We've never won. But, um, <laughs> yeah. He loves it of all, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I was so relieved when we weren't nominated because I thought I don't have to go through that experience of going again. Well, yeah, but then maybe that experience shouldn't shouldn't matter ah, so much. No, I know, but that's well, because for I, me, I, I get I love I love doing Robin Romesh, right? I love doing Robin Romesh. I get to <laughs> spend time with my mate all day and making a show I really really love. If we win that BAFTA, that's not going to make my day to day enjoyment of that show better or worse. It's no. so if day to day I'm enjoying the show, that's the main thing. All the other stuff's a bit irrelevant, really. Would Would you take winning a BAFTA every year but hating filming the show? No, that's my not. that's my no. worst nightmare. Oh, yeah, totally. To be trapped to that something that's really successful that you hate, I might as well just stayed working in my old jobs if that's the case. But you can see how it traps people. That's the thing though, because I'm a bit older, and and actually, um, you in a weird way you find when you get older you care slightly more, and I don't know really? why that would be the case. Really, yeah, that's my experience. So I think I care much less. Like I really I care about stuff when I was. Like in Edinburgh, it really destroyed me. Like it became a really, yeah. like that first year when you could be nominated for newcomer. It was like a horrible thing for the whole month. That Edinburgh, I, my first Edinburgh, I got a spot on the end of my nose on the first day that was so bad, 
my... It started getting reviewed itself, didn't it? <laughs> it got nominated without me. My God, it was so bad. I um, had to get makeup put on it by my uh, the person who was producing the show every day. And the spot stayed for the whole of Edinburgh and then went 24 hours after Edinburgh. So I Really? Like, yeah. But now I really don't feel... I feel like um, John Ronson when he's being interviewed by you, Louis. I feel much more laid back about the whole thing. Well, that's where you want to be, really, isn't it? Mm. So why do you think you care more now, Louis? Because um, on paper, I don't think there's anything else you can really achieve. Like You, you look like an all-round success I in that what traditional was, sense. I think what happened was I won two BAFTAs when I was quite young. And, and the first one, yeah, this is going back 20 years, like 2000, 2001, something yeah. like that. And... Um, and even and the second one, I was in a weird place at the time, so I just felt very blank about it. And then what? And then over the next sort of fifteen years, twenty years, I made some amazing programs. I, I mean, I well, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but yeah. I, you know, and 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 went you know programs in San Quentin Prison and the Westboro Baptist Church, and then year on year. I, I might have got nominated a few times, but never won. And I think what happened was when I find I won a, when I finally won another one, I sort of thought, actually, I deserve this. And that sounds dreadful, but no. you know, the first two I thought, like, well, this is a crapshoot. Who cares? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a meaningless bauble, more or less. But then by the time you know, when twenty years go by and you've you've made a ton of programs, I sort of thought, well, why not? Actually, this isn't going to happen. Uh, may, may never happen again. It hasn't happened for twenty years. I might, I always try to make a conscious decision to make it mean something, you know, like, I, I, even yeah. if it's arbitrary, you know, which to a great extent, those things are, why not allow it to count for something? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I definitely yeah, yeah. think it, you, you shouldn't be, they mean nothing. It's a nice yeah. thing to win. It's like, oh, a pat on the back. That's nice. <clears throat> and it helps in your career and getting commissions yeah. and that kind of stuff. So you have to accept that it That's is worth the other something. Part, but you know, here's the other thing is what you realize is, it means something to other people. Yes. Like, and, I, and it's odd, isn't it? I don't quite know what to make of this, but it's that feeling of when you realise something means something. It's like the first time you realise people care about ratings when you're in TV. Like, it's an odd yeah. thing. The first time you have a TV show and people are going like, second one built, second one was up to <laughs> 1.5. And you're like, what? sorry, what does that mean? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that, that's good, you're growing. And then the third one is up to three, three million. And that, that's really good, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, like, and then, and then the, the one day when they one day when they come in happened on my second series where they're like, yeah, and you're like, what? What is it? Yeah, well, no, it doesn't matter. He's like, well, no, what is it? What? what? Like, well, the ratings are in. Yeah, and one point two. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, it is not really. It's not brilliant. And then, and then you're like, oh my god. And then you're being it's encoded in you from there on, like. Yeah must care about ratings and then you find yourself checking them and then it becomes almost a mini obsession because you yeah. realize this is re more than reviews more than anecdotal feedback this is the barometer by which everything is judged and the same thing with the with the baftas is he's like oh sorry about the bafta yeah you're like oh it's fine you know ronson deserved it or whatever <laughs> wax her time it was her year but actually then the fifth person is like oh it's too bad about the bafta and you're like you're like, yeah, you start to feel it. Do you know no, what I mean? Yeah, I don't you know how you have to ignore with, it. With you and Romish, we're like, oh, shame about Romish. Oh, you must be, feel really shitty about that. And you're like, no, I'm fine. And then the, the, when, when you, they keep saying, I used to like, this is a bit of a, 
jumper. <clears throat> I used to live in Harlesden and I, I loved it. And, you know, we had a great big house and, and, and I didn't realize that it had a bit of a sort of an, a connotation of being sort of a, a bit rough and ready. And then I found myself at parties. They said, where do you live? And I said, I live in Harlesden. And then their face was, would like fall. Like, oh, God. <laughs> like, oh, you're like, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Like, like I just said, my, you know, my grand's got cancer or something like, oh dear, sorry about that. And, and, and you find yourself affected. Like you find other people's value judgments somehow are contagious, right? Yeah, as much as you yeah. might want to resist it. You have to, I think yeah. you have to work on a vaccine internally, don't you, to sort of yeah, be obliv good, oblivious. There we go. You need that. Maybe that's the self-help book we need to write. Well, the thing I can say this about the BAFTAs, next time you're worried about the BAFTAs, just remember they gave Rolf Harris one. <laughs> so, you know, do you really want to be part of that, alumni? Well, exactly. <laughs> Probably more than one. Did he only get one? I don't know. I've definitely seen a photo of him holding a BAFTA up. What did he win a BAFTA for? Animal Hospital? Oh, they gave him the fellowship. They've stripped him. Oh, is that what he got? A the fellowship. Well, Jimmy Savile got a knighthood, right? Yeah, he did. God. Have they stripped him of that? Well, I don't know if you can strip someone who's already died of a knighthood, can you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they do, they go, they'll find the grave and do a little world thing, but in reverse. <laughs> Just you to take what? it back. <laughs> <laughs> left to right instead of right to left. Oh, no one. How often do you think about Jimmy Savile? Do you think about him daily? Um, do you know what? I've kept a diary of the last 18 months, yeah, and it's in book yeah, form. Yeah, yeah. Called oh, yeah. Through the Keyhole, Diaries yeah. of a Grounded Documentary Maker. How can I get maker. hold of it? Uh, you can buy it off Amazon. It's also, yeah. Uh, yeah. there's an audio oh, book. Where is it in the charts? How many it, are sold? How are you feeling about somewhere that? somewhere in the top, <laughs> top five on Audible. <laughs> How are you feeling about that? Someone above you, hey? How's that getting you read? <laughs> so, and I mention it because uh, Jimmy Savile is in it. You get a sense of, of the extent to which it comes up, which is to say not, not daily. It's not at the forefront of my mind, but it's not uncommon if I'm... So, for example, if I'm being interviewed for a new TV series, it will almost always get mentioned and it will be, was Jimmy Sell your biggest failure? That was one question I was asked. Oh, that's and then a there's a story in the, book, in the book where I talk about going through the park on a walk, on a ramble with the kids and, and my wife and we, um, and a woman says... You're, I just, I have to tell you, you're absolutely fantastic. Keep doing what you do. You are wonderful. And and she wanders off and I say to my wife, isn't that nice? Like, that's the great thing. Everyone should have that. You know, imagine if all people had random strangers coming up and saying, you are wonderful. The place would be so full of joy. So then we walk a bit further down the park and there's a guy sitting on a bench with an old bicycle. And he looks over, he says, how about Jimmy then? And, I'm, and I thought, and I think, keep walking, keep walking. And, I, and as I disappear, and I thought, and he goes, yeah, I go, all right, yeah. And I keep walking. <laughs> he goes like, he's gonna haunt you. Oh God! Oh, God. <laughs> and and then and then I said to my wife, well, so it kind of balances out. Yeah. <laughs> You're wonderful, but you'll be haunted by Jimmy Savile. Yeah. Well, I think what's more annoying is that, that people see you as the only person that ever interviewed him, gave him a job or knew about what he was doing. Yeah. Well, you didn't know what yeah. he was doing, but the only person that ever met him in his whole career, which is very unfair just because you're a victim of your own success of that big show. But yeah, no, you shouldn't. Yeah. You, that shouldn't haunt you. Should he completely you. forget about that? Thank um, you for um, that. One final question. We've gone off a bit of off topic with pairing him. I think it's been a brilliant episode, so that's 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 fine. Um, the question is, is there one thing your partner does parenting that annoys you a bit? Um, yes. With, yep, go on. Yeah, what you well, got? no, not one. More Straight off the bat. Many, many. Okay. But, uh, well, since we're in the season of um, holiday goodwill, one of the things she does is she buys the kids advent calendars. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Advent calendars with chocolates in them. And then for the whole of December, at least till the Christmas day, it's considered acceptable 
to have chocolates at breakfast. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and for me, I'm old fashioned that way. Like I just sort of think, you know, I love chocolate, but you don't have chocolate at breakfast and it feels like all bets are off. Suddenly yeah. we're in savagery. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to have chocolates. Meals don't matter who, you know, forget cereal. So, so I don't make a big thing out of it, but I, I kind of exude a sort of wary sense of judgment mm. when those advent calendars come can out. You, can I suggest other advent calendars you can get? They do Playmobil ones and Lego ones. The where they get ones. a little things to build and then they do that in the morning rather than they're quite good. Or just a lovely picture of a shepherd. I oh, used to be excited so old, about Josh. the door, you know, the cardboard door is slightly bigger. Oh, the no. picture's bigger on this one. Like yeah. I would get a thrill out of opening the little, right out of the little door and seeing, a, seeing a, oh, it's a robin. Yeah, you can't yeah, have that. That was before anymore. Google Image Search. Is that, are people too busy playing computer games against strangers to yeah, enjoy a yeah, Strangers Robin. across the world with the TV watching me. I just want a little picture of a reef and then I'll walk to school. <laughs> what my satchel. Is wrong with a picture of a donkey with a pregnant woman on it. Really? Is, that, is there something wrong with that? <laughs> Thank you very much, Louis. The book, Louis Thoreau, Thoreau the Keyhole. Loved it. Thoreau the Keyhole. We've plugged that plenty. Good luck with <laughs> everything. Good luck in the podcast Cheers, charts. Keep doing Cheers. what you do. Cheers, mate. Bye. 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 Louis Farouk. Love that. I love I Louis Farouk. Just Faroux. listen to him forever. He's great, isn't he? And what you don't get when you watch his documentaries, obviously, is how self-analytical he is. Do you know what I mean? He yeah. really beats himself—not beats himself up, but he really thinks about what he's thinking and what he's going through and what his emotions are and stuff like that. Like you talk to him about his family, and he's properly thinking about. Is like his emotional responses to it and stuff. He's like, he's very self-analytical in yeah. a way that makes you feel better about your own family torment, should we say. Well, yeah. So are you saying, though, that, that it makes you feel better about the way you torment yourself about your family because some of your respect does it? Or are you yes, saying, that's, saying that? Yeah, completely. and rather than that's what you should be doing. My <laughs> argument would be you shouldn't need to torment yourself that much. Yeah, but... He's going to be through and it's fine. You, could, you, you know, if I'm honest with you, Rob... Yeah. That isn't an option for me. I'm going to torment okay. myself, so I so I might have got to find ways around it. That I can't solve that. That's happening. <laughs> See, I, my argument was: it's a shame that someone so intelligent does torment themselves that much because he's doing oh, such a good job. And he's you know, both of you. However, you're saying actually it's fine to self-torment because someone I respect does. Do, do you know what, Rob? You've got to fight the battles you're given, and I know what I can change. I can't change the fact that. Every day I torment myself from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. And when you're However, cr- crying on your exercise bike, having a panic attack, you're thinking, yeah. Louis Farouk probably does this, so it's exactly, fine. Exactly, exactly, okay. so that's good. If it yeah. helps, it helps. Exactly. You know I mean? um, but no, I, I enjoyed that. We went off piste a little bit, um, but oh, I think no it was really worries. interesting. So um, thank, thank, you for, thank you for listening. That was Louis Farouk. We told you we'd get big dogs leading up to Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. And he wasn't even promoting anything. Joshua. They've all got books, haven't they? We've, oh, we've done... Has Louis fair. Theroux got a book out? He didn't mention it. How well have we done to bring a book out in such a crowded market, Josh? Well I done know. to you. And well, well thank you, you and thank Rob. you to our listeners, because let's be honest, and these are the hardcore now that they've listened to the end yeah. of this, because it's yeah. probably a long episode. Thank you so much for buying the book. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so thank you. much. I'm really, but also, I would say as well, though, I have looked at the figures and how many people listen to this on a weekly basis yeah. compared to the book sales, and I would say probably about 10% of you bought the book. So well yeah. done to you, but you have a 90%, have a fucking look in the mirror, put your hand in your pocket yeah. and buy our fucking books. Forget Louis Farouk, buy our fucking books, right? It's Christmas, It's Christmas, buy it for someone, okay? Um, Come it's free on. Fucking condom. No, I'm only joking. Have a good, have a good for Stuart Lee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you on Tuesday. Tuesday.